Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, Golden Circles and the Galway Tent. While for 15 years it dominated the social calendar of prominent politicians and business people. A golden circle of Ireland's who's who, the Galway race's Fianna Fáil tent was well known for all the wrong reasons. I earned uh, about £300,000 net in the period uh, and because I cashed my cheques I put some of that money back in at different times into the accounts so it was my own money going back into, into the accounts and that was it. I for a minute, a minute never thought that you know, what were totally personal things um, would ever be dragged into something else. But was the annual fundraiser as corrupt as opposition parties will have us believe? So Taoiseach, if ever there was a salutary tale and lesson of Fianna Fáil in government, Fianna Fáil, the party of the Galway tent and brown envelopes and a, a cosy relationship with developers. And if not, why then was it abruptly halted in 2008? Shall we say a lot of people were uncomfortable with the, the tag that was being attached to Fianna Fáil, particularly because because it was so closely associated with property development at, at that stage. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and today I'm joined by Ireland editor at independent.ie, Fionnán Sheehan, to recall the champagne-popping fundraising antics of the now infamous Galway tent. But easy, onto it comes Hope. And Hope with a shot, and it's there! Luxembourg, D. Juan. And finally, Ireland. Fionnán, Ireland was emerging from the 1980s. Uh, We'd seen mass unemployment and emigration. And then we had the 1990s and with it, uh, some hope and a new sense of national pride where anything was possible. Can you set the scene for me of what it was like in Ireland in the early 1990s? Yeah, so at that point, it was a a kind of a period of, of hope, expectation. A couple of things had happened to the national consciousness. Um, the peace process in Northern Ireland had picked up. There were still atrocities on a, on a regular basis, but nonetheless, uh, the Downing Street uh, declaration between Albert Reynolds uh, and, and John Major had been a, a significant intervention following on from the Anglo-Irish Agreement. And there was talk of, a, of the, the peace process was picking up uh, at, at, that, at that point, albeit with, with its setbacks. Jack Charlton brought about an optimism and a confidence uh, in the Irish people as well between Euro 88 and Italian 90. There was a 
The country was gripped with a kind of a, a fever of, of positive nationalism. We had reclaimed the tricolour from the provisional IRA. If you had flown a tricolour in the 1980s, you were kind of seen to be kind of, oh, there are a bit of provo sentiments there. So Italian 90 brought uh, all, all that back as well. Irish rugby team doing appallingly badly, by the way, during that, <laughs> during that, that period. And economically, the country was 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 picking up. Charlie Hawhey and Ray McSharry had really got to grips quite heavily uh, with the, the the national finances in the latter stages of, of the, the, the 1980s with quite swinging uh, cutbacks to to our, our, our spending. The Progressive Democrats had, had come into to power as, as well and became a prominent influence in, in Irish politics in terms of more pro-business, uh, low taxation uh, model of, of economics. So things were, were very definitely picking up and the Celtic Tiger hadn't been coined yet, but it, w- it was certainly uh, on the way uh, and and we were getting that sense in in the mid nineties that yeah people people did have a, a more money there was more more jobs uh, circulating and it was a, a vast difference from the bleakness of the nineteen eighties. And the the Celtic Tiger, I mean, it was it was it was a cub at that stage. But the government needed to get the country moving, and to do that, they needed builders and big businesses on board, and party fundraising was a way to do this. What we have to get a grip on is that political parties are largely speaking paid for by the taxpayer. We we pay for the political system in Ireland, not just payments to TDs and senators, but the expansion of their own their own staff, secretarial assistance, personal uh, political assistance, constituency offices, and also the party operations are all paid for by the taxpayer. So your your press officers, your advisors, and, and so on and so forth, all the political parties really have to pay for now is posters and leaflets, in effect. The, the, the campaigning that they do during three weeks of election campaigns, the taxpayer effectively funds party headquarters as well through through the, the funding of the system. Back in those days, it wasn't there. And, and Fianna Fáil uh, and Fine Gael would, would chalk up rather large debts because in the early 1980s, we had that spate of three elections uh, in a row. We then had two elections in quick succession in the late 1980s. So the, the parties chalked up significant debts and then they were coming into the 90, the into the, the 1990s, certainly Fine Gael were positively on the, the brink of bankruptcy and Fianna Fáil uh, were in, in continual financial difficulties uh, as well. So the ways of tackling this were, were twofold. You could have your, your small fundraisers, your church gate collections, where a fella, a couple of fellas from the local branch would stand outside the church of a Sunday morning with a basket in front of them and supporters would drop in fivers and you could have your, your national raffles and so on and so forth. That was the small money and then the other bigger money was to do what we would regard now as corporate fundraising, uh, which was uh, the business community basically uh, supporting party operations. And this is in the days before we had all of the, the raft uh, of electoral laws and donation laws that we currently have in place. And that brings us nicely on to the topic that we're talking about today, the Galway tent. Uh, what was it, Fionnan? How did it work? The Taoiseach arrived at Ballybrit this afternoon as one of the party's biggest fundraising events of the year got underway. Fianna Foyle supporters will pay between €400 and €75 a head to mix and mingle with Mr Hearn and senior government ministers between now and Friday. By the end of the week, the party will be €150,000 richer. 
Yeah, so it, it's largely speaking seen to be the, the, the manifestation of the kind of negative side of political party uh, fundraising. It wasn't the worst example, but it was probably the one that was latched onto uh, most. Uh, it, it would constantly be thrown back at, at, at Fianna Fáil. So when you, when you arrive at the, the race course at, at Ballybritain in Galway, most people come in uh, to, to the main entrance in, in from the city. Uh, they, they park up the car, get off the bus. They come across, you walk across the, 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 the race course towards the, the main stand. You have the betting ring beside that. During Galway Races Week, which, largely speaking, is kind of the, the worst quality racing festival in the country <laughs> from a pure uh, horse racing uh, perspective. And when you're from my part of the country down in Tipperary, you, you appreciate the quality of the racing on hand. But nonetheless, it's a brilliant summer festival. It is a gathering where, where people come from from all over all over Ireland, obviously a large contingent from, from the west of Ireland. And it's, it's great crack, both at the race course and in, and in the city. Uh, uh, for for that week. And you you basically uh, in those days you you had things like the the radio Nagel talk the slash RTE uh, marquee or roadcaster would sit behind that. There was a bit of a, a buzz uh, around that, and then behind that again there was a series of of corporate tents kind of a tented village uh, almost and companies would, would take out uh, tents there and, and have corporate hospitalities as they do at, at so many be it racing or, or, or sporting events and in there Fianna Fáil uh, had a tent in there for the best part of, of 15 years and during this period it was largely speaking uh, a period of of continual power by Fianna Fáil. So you had not only the movers and shakers uh, of the party attending, but also these people were the ministers uh, in government who were setting uh, party policy. And tables uh, were sold by, by Fianna Fáil for anything up to, to four grand a table where you could you could sit down and, and you had your dinner and there was a bit of an old speech and a minister might be be sitting at, at your table and you'd get to, to mix uh, and to mingle. And this became uh, particularly attached to a perception that it was developer, property developers were in effect sitting at these tables uh, chin-wagging and lobbying uh, ministers over a glass of, of Merlot or Blue Nun as it would have been back in the day. <laughs> and hence it 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 quickly got a bad name uh, attached to it. You, Bertie Hearn would, would be there uh, each year. You know, it's more than just what, what we make on a bit. It's a very costly thing to run a national party. And, um, you know, other parties do this. I mean, in some ways I'm very chuffed the fact that the only political parties, uh, fundraise affairs that gets any uh, attention uh, is, is Fianna Fáil. I know other um, smaller parties, admittedly, but they, they, they've had uh, huge occasions and uh, nobody seems to say boo about them or, or what to do, but uh, sure, I suppose that's because we are uh, the best and the biggest party that we get that attention. Various ministers within his government would effectively be required to attend uh, over the course uh, of the, of the of the three days, be it one or three days, some of them were, were great racing fans, like the, the the late Joe Walsh and, and the former minister John Donahue. So they'd, they'd be there uh, anyway. Others were kind of arm twisted and told, "Look, you're you're expected to be there to to turn up." 
kind of memorably described uh, by 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 Joe Higgins, you know, twenty odd years ago, where he where he described how the Taoiseach sits in the Fianna Fáil marquee at the Galway races like a feudal sheik in his tent and greets the millionaires and rich and powerful people in a, a winter. I'm trying to to capture uh, Joe's malefluent uh, accent uh, as he would throw as he would he would throw out uh, fantastic lines uh, like this. There was two types of people went went to the Galway races. There were those you know the ordinary plain people of Ireland eating their chips in the middle of, of the day who were attending uh, in in the stand uh, putting 20 quid on a horse in the betting ring and then you had the elites uh, who were attending uh, in places like like the Fianna Fáil tent Fianna Fáil weren't terribly terribly bothered uh, about this they would raise we were told the official figures uh, around about 150 grand uh, across the, the the course of the two or three days that they would have uh, the dinners there at, at the, the four grand uh, ahead uh, table. So ultimately, you know, the, their argument back to the, the party grassroots because there would be people who are uncomfortable uh, with this uh, perception being attached to the party was, well, listen, we need to be able to pay for elections uh, and campaigning and you're not complaining when we're, we're when a, a bunch of posters uh, are arriving to be putting up, put up on, on lampposts. So this was, was the price uh, of running a successful party organisation. You sound like a man who's been to um, a couple of these events. No, I, I was never, I've never guessed. I, I took a wander in uh, one year and, and somebody showed me around uh, for, for five minutes. So that was, that was the, 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 full, the full breadth of, of my experience at it, just ob- observing it. And, you know, the, the year I was there, I think it was uh, around about uh, turn, of the, turn of the century or thereabout, around about 20, 20 years ago. And in the evening time, I, I recall Bertie Hearn and Celia Larkin sitting in the sun outside the marquee on chairs, uh, having a drink. I don't know that they get a, a tap uh, strung all the way of bass uh, from Fagan's <laughs> over over the Galway tent. But there's uh, Bertie and Celia uh, and and some of their cohorts uh, having a, having a having a drink outside. And you know, there, would, there used to be a, a white picket fence around the the tented corporate village enclosure and people would come along and stand there and gawk at them in across, in across the fence. So it, it was really very much uh, a demonos, but it was uh, an accepted uh, part of Irish society, albeit controversial. The heyday of the, those 15 years for Fianna Fáil came crashing down quite abruptly, Fionnán. Uh, let's fast forward to 2008. Uh, we have a new Taoiseach in Ireland, Brian Cowan, and he had concerns about the Galway races, um, the, the tent continuing, didn't he? But also, it was at quite an era of doom and gloom in Ireland at that time. Yeah, we were, well, we were getting into to, to choppy territory uh, at, at that stage. Brian Cowan took over uh, in, in the first part of, of 2000, uh, first half of 2008. But Bertie Hearn effectively had to, to stand down. Bertie Hearn magnificently successfully successful politically wins Fianna Fáil three elections uh, in a row comes very close to an overall uh, majority in, in 2002 comes across falters across the line really in, in 2007 but nonetheless uh, w- wins the election because the economy is still booming and people want to want to keep keep that going but ultimately it's his own personal finances uh, that that bring him down 
disclosures at the the planning tribunal at that time, which is, you know, th- there was that mixture at the time of what were personal finances, what were party political uh, finances. Bertie Arnaud was arguing that his personal finances were an entirely uh, separate matter where Charlie Hockey had a different view. What he when he was referred to we, it was we went me uh, in, in his case. So Bertie Arnaud stands down. Uh, Brian Cowan uh, takes over and there are some uh, really bad warning signs about about the economy already at that stage, but but it hasn't really hit uh, hit in uh, yet. We're 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 still not in in bank guarantee uh, territory. Brian Cowan, uh, it's announced one day, is going to the Fianna Fáil National Executive. He's taken over as new leader and has commissioned a a review of the party's organisation, its structures, and its finances. And within that. He has announced that they will no longer be hosting the the, the tent uh, at at the Galway uh, races. So quite clearly, he had his concerns about it for for quite some time. But he had been one of the Fianna Fáil ministers who who used to attend uh, it also on on an annual basis. He actually used to to, to holiday uh, in in Galway himself uh, with his family. Anyway, the party grassroots weren't exactly objecting, shall we say? A lot of people were uncomfortable with the the tag that was being attached to Fianna Fáil, particularly because it was so closely associated with property development uh, at, at that stage. Among the guests over the course of the year were Michael and Tom Bailey uh, of Beauvoir Developments, who featured very prominently uh, on both the, the, the Revenue Commissioner's radar, uh, massive tax settlement, there uh, and also uh, featured quite prominently at, at the, the planning tribunal. So there was very much a, a perception that you could draw a line from uh, property development, uh, light touch regulation, uh, house prices and the Fianna Fáil tent at the Galway races. So Brian Cowan decided to, to break that link, arguably a little bit too late. And Fiona, the the damage had very much been done by that point. You know, we had all these kind of very kind of dubious links with uh, talk of corruption and brown envelopes and bribes. Yeah, the the political climate had had very much changed uh, by that stage in a number of ways from when the 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 tent at the Galway races started. And largely speaking, you could say it was on two fronts politically. The, the notion of ethics in politics had, had very much become a, a strong concept. We had at that stage had the McCracken Tribunal, the Moriarty Tribunal and, and the Planning Tribunal. The Planning Tribunal is still running, of course, uh, at that stage, which had exposed the, the public uh, on a large scale to the, the, the finances of both political parties and individual politicians. And there had been shocking revelations throughout that period. Particularly, you know, you you could say centered on on Fianna Fáil, but also you know, Fine Gael featured. And there was politicians from from other parties who had uncomfortable uh, disclosures uh, made uh, about them. Associated with that, there was a whole series of of political reforms brought in uh, around limiting uh, corporate donations. Uh, Party, the party finances, as as we were, we were talking about, the taxpayer was 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 weighing in there to ensure that the the political system uh, could not not be corrupted. And then economically, by that by that time, we were at the tail end of 
the Celtic Tiger. The, the property bubble had hit its peak uh, in the latter stages of, of 2006. By 2007, there were certainly concerns about the economy by 2008. They're, they're starting to kick in. We, we still don't know the full uh, extent of it uh, at, at that stage. So people were basically seeing already that there, there did seem to be an unhealthy relationship, not just between big business and, and politics, but particularly the property developers and Fianna Fáil. Uh, and, and as a result, the, very much the view amongst the public was that there was an undue influence uh, coming to, to bear here and that the Fianna Fáil tent was the manifestation of that right in front of people's eyes. And uh, Fiona, it may be gone long gone um, but it's definitely not forgotten and the opposition parties are going, aren't are going to let either Fianna Fáil or uh, we the public forget about the tent and what went on. No, Mary Lou uh, Mac- MacDonald of uh, the, the Sinn Féin leader will still uh, frequently bring it up. You used the word corrupt there. Yes. You were the last party to talk to anybody about corruption because your party corrupted public life <laughs> In this republic, for well on forty years, uh, it's it's gone now for as long as it was in, in existence. It was it was there for fifteen odd years. It's now gone for for fifteen odd years. But nonetheless, I suppose when you still have the scars of the economic crash and the Celtic Tiger property bubble still lingering in people people's minds, uh, it is it is quite useful uh, to remind people of of that period. And and I suppose part of it is. You know, Michal Martin, he he wouldn't exactly be known to be a, a prominent uh, uh, racing fan, but, you know, he was he was a minister uh, in, in that government uh, at that particular time under his leadership. Uh, they have very much distanced themselves from the, the Bertie Ahern era, uh, both politically uh, and, and personally, particularly in, in the wake of the publication of the, of the Mahan Tribunal uh, report over a, a decade ago. So you have seen a kind of a, a shunning of that uh, approach to politics. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it, it's, it's the party brand. And Brian Cowan was right in 2008 when he was effectively looking at it going, this is not... Uh, the kind of image that you want to be portraying of your party and, and you know, the damage still lingers. And my thanks there to Ireland editor at independent.ie, Fionnán Sheehan. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode was produced by myself, researched by Garrett Mulhall, recording and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from TV3's 2010 documentary The Rise and Fall of Fianna Fáil, RTE's 1981 news report, Eructus Television and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.